Hello and welcome to the Effective Living Podcast, a podcast for ideas, strategies, insights, and conversations, all focused on how to live a more effective and more prosperous life. Once again, I'm your host, Nathaniel Nunziante, and in today's podcast, we're talking about how you can improve all of your relationships, that's right, all of them, (laughs) with effective listening. So let me start by asking a question, and I know it's a rhetorical question because no one's actually here to answer me, but um, did you ever feel like you were not being heard? Did you ever feel like you were struggling to understand someone else, uh, whether a family or spouse, coworker? Have you ever been frustrated by a cycle in which some arguments or fights that you're having with a person keep happening again and again, even when you think you're way past them. I understand these frustrations very personally, very deeply. Um, And I think that a lot of us struggle with these things. I think this is something common to all of us. The answer to this, if you ask, well, how do I fix that? It's a lot simpler than I thought. Um, and And I imagine it's simpler than you'd think. But just because it's Simple doesn't mean it's easy. The answer is we need to get better at listening. And when you hear that, we get better at listening. Well, I, I already am listening. I, I've listened. I heard what she said. I heard what he said. I am listening. It's not, I couldn't listen any better. Okay, that's, that's common. I think that most of us are under the impression we're already very good listeners, or at least we're, we think we're better than we are. Um, so that's something we need to address, and and in this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, a test, a very clear way we can determine just how good at listening we are. But before that, I think first we just need to address that we all know how important communication is in a relationship. I don't think that's in dispute. Um, but I, th- I don't think a lot of us realize that talking is not necessarily communication, or at least on its own, it's not necessarily good communication. The key to effective communication requires two things to be happening. One, both people have to be telling the truth. And two, both have to be listening. Now, in every conversation you have with your, your you know, again, coworker, spouse, anybody in your life, you ask this question, are we both telling the truth, really the truth, and are we both listening? Because if we were doing both of those things, the conversations would be successful. The communication would be successful. They wouldn't end in fights and, and bad blood and bad feelings and blow-ups. That wouldn't happen. So why is this so hard? We may tell ourselves, I'm a really good listener and we're good communicators, but we're always screaming at each other or we're always frustrated or we always walk away feeling like we're not being heard. So obviously, we're not as good as we think. But why? Why is it so hard? Let's take it piece by piece, telling the truth. Why don't we tell the truth? I think we all know the answer to that. We don't tell the truth because we're afraid. What, what if people think a certain way about you? What if you tell them the truth and they don't like it? What if we lose something because we told the truth? We're afraid of what we might lose. Maybe we're afraid if we say the truth out loud, then we'll know it's the truth. Maybe it'll change how we see ourselves. Maybe we're accepting a, a lie or accepting omissions about ourselves because we don't want to see the truth, so we avoid saying it. And why don't we listen, right? Because like I said, we have to, in a conversation, in communication to be effective, you have both people need to be telling the truth and both need to be truly listening. Well, why don't we listen? I think we don't listen because we don't know how to do it. 
And that's supported by the fact that most people, when they heard me say earlier, we need to get better at listening, thought, I'm already a pretty good listener. I already do that. That's not going to solve anything. It's got to be something else. I'm already a good listener, right? We think we're good at this. Well, Carl Rogers, a great 20th century psychotherapist, wrote this, quote, the great majority of us cannot listen. We find ourselves compelled to evaluate because listening is just too dangerous, end quote. So I agree with that. But I asked the question, what about listening is dangerous? Well, think about it. It's an unknown. If you're really listening, who knows what you're going to hear? Who knows what you're going to discover? That's terrifying. What if something we believe about ourselves is challenged? What if for a moment, because of listening, it's not all about me for a moment? What if I lose control of the box that I've placed this person in? What if I discover something that changes my understanding of who they are? What if, God forbid, I mean, this is probably the worst one of most people, what if I learn something that leads me to change my beliefs, not only about the other person or about the world, but about myself? Most of us avoid effective listening because we don't want to face this reality. So we convince ourselves we're already good at it. We're already good listeners. That's not the problem. Well, Rogers devised a great test that anyone can do to determine whether or not they're really a good listener. And if, if you're a couple, if you have a relationship, if you're both on board, you can both do it at the same time, but you can also just do it by yourself with anyone and immediately start to see clearly, am I really a good uh, listener? This test will determine, actually beyond that, it'll determine if one or both people are listening at all. And just as a, a note, you can find a more detailed account of this method in the book 12 Rules for Life by Jordan Peterson. Wonderful book. I, one of my favorite books. Um, I recommend you get it. But I'm going to just do my best to paraphrase here and present what we're going to refer to as the Rogerian method of listening. Okay? So here's what, here's what you do. The next time you find yourself having an argument, try to institute the following rule. Here's the rule. Each person can speak up for themselves only after they have restated the ideas and feelings of the other person, and they have done so accurately and to their satisfaction, okay? So basically, when someone says something to you, anything, something that would normally trigger you or make you angry or make you respond and get angry for the, before you can respond, what you have to do is restate what they said. You have to restate their ideas and their feelings to them. And then ask if it's accurate. And you have to do it to their satisfaction. So they have the right to either tell you it was accurate, accept your summary, or they can tell you, nope, you're wrong about A, B, and C. Or they can tell you, no, that's outright wrong. That's not what I mean. This is what I mean. And this must continue until they've accepted your summary. And only then do you get the chance to speak. And then hopefully they will also abide by that same rule. And like I said, if you have a relationship and both people do this, very, very effective at, at becoming listeners on both sides. It'll fix communication issues overnight. But you could just do this yourself, even with another person who's not playing along, and it will still work. And here's why it will work. There's a few possibilities for what's going to happen when you do this, okay? Like we said, one, sometimes the other person will just accept your summary. Two, sometimes they'll offer the corrections. And three, sometimes they'll make clear your summary is completely wrong. But all three of these possibilities are good things, 
And let's consider why they're good things. Let's consider what happens and why you become a better listener if you do this. Well, first, you will genuinely understand the other person. You'll, you'll be sure and confident I know what they mean because you've allowed them to be involved in confirming your analysis of what they mean. Now, in this case, you do risk being changed, right? You risk having to change your understanding of what they mean or acknowledging you were wrong when you first assumed, which is always a scary notion for anybody. Nobody wants to feel like they're wrong, but if you're doing this, you're actually actively engaged not in trying to be right, but in trying to understand the other person. So the first thing that happens again is you will genuinely understand them and you will eliminate any error you could make or misunderstanding you could have about what they mean. The second thing that happens is that the back and forth summary that you're doing will refine the ideas into their clearest form, right? Because as you go back and forth, the summary becomes shorter and shorter. It, it extracts only the, the real relevant summary and moral. All the fat gets trimmed away. This allows the memory and the account of each person to get distilled into a very clear, very simple account, right? It gets broken down into this is what happened. This is why it happened. This is how my behavior should change in the future. And if you think about it, one of the most important functions of memory is to prepare us for how to act in the future. So the more accurate our memories are, the more prepared for the future we are, okay? So that's another great reason why you want to employ this method because it will whittle down the account, the summary, into the version that's most useful. And finally, this method will eliminate straw man arguments. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but a straw man argument is when you're arguing with a person, and in order to win the argument, what you do is you oversimplify what they're saying, or you distort it or parry it into a version of itself that's easy for you to just outright reject, right? So you, you turn a more complex idea, what they really mean, into this other thing that you say, so you're just saying this, and then you could say, that's crazy, so I reject it outright, because you don't want to face that there might be some truth to what they're saying or anything, right? So summarizing each other's arguments in a way where each speaker gets to agree on what they meant not only does it eliminate the potential for straw man arguments, but the two people, again, arrive at this summary that might even be more accurate and more distilled than only one person was able to manage. You have to remember that it takes a while sometimes to understand someone correctly. And the reason for that is a person will sometimes be articulating their ideas for the first time. Right? It's, these are emotions. These are experiences. These are complex ideas in their mind, and they're just turning them into words for the very first time. So they don't come out very clearly. And a mistake that I have made in the past, and I think that a lot of us make, and if you're listening to this and you say, hey, Nathaniel, this sounds like you know, you're making a lot of sense, I think you understand this. Sometimes what I would do is immediately start responding to whatever my initial understanding was of what they said the first time. The problem is that my understanding of what they said may be flawed because they didn't articulate it well, or maybe it's, a, it's an error in, in my, I'm making an assumption about what they mean. Either way, my response is flawed, right? So all of, 
um, the emotional and visceral reaction that I have to what I think they mean, that reaction is also flawed. And now I've reacted that way. So now they have to react to me and I had a flawed reaction. Their reaction's even more flawed, right? So it just downward spirals until the reactions get less and less accurate and further and further away from what the two people actually mean. And then they're at each other's throats, right? We're, we're, we want to kill each other. And neither of us really understands how we got there so quickly. Every fight I've had with the people that are, matter to me, the people important to me, my wife, my family, when I walk away from it, I always have the same thought. I'm always like, how did I get here? Like, I, I, thought, I thought I was past this. I thought I would be able to see this coming. And I thought that, like, I don't understand how I got here so fast. What happened? Well, a way of looking at this that completely changed my life, to be honest, was when I considered how I respond to my children when they say things I don't understand. I realized that I never make the assumption that my child is doing something wrong if they say something and I don't understand it. Instead, I always assume I'm just not understanding what they want, right? There's no judgment when a child asks for something and uses the wrong word. If my two-year-old says car and points at the, the table, I don't say, how dare she ask me for the car? She's only two. She has no right to drive a car. No, I think she couldn't. She doesn't mean car. Or if she means car, she doesn't mean my car, right? Or does she? What does she mean? So I start looking for what she meant. Do you mean this? I start literally paraphrasing. I hold things up. Do you mean this car? Do you mean the, the bottle? What, what do you mean? And think about it. This is like the Rogerian method. I am summarizing back to her what I think she means. And then she's either going, yes, yes, right? Shaking her head, give it to me. Or no, car, no, car. And this will keep going until I go, oh, do you mean the plate? And I realize now the plate has a picture of a car on it. That's what she meant. So the plate of food, yes, yes, car. You mean the plate, the plate. So now think about what happened in our relationship. She wanted something. She articulated what she wanted incorrectly. But I, by using this method, helped to get to what she really wanted and ultimately solve the issue. And we both feel closer and we both have grown. She, she learned something that she could change. I learned something. Like it's a beautiful thing that happens. And this is what we do with children, right? Instead of just judging the child for not articulating themselves correctly, there's just this discovery process and attempt to understand what they're asking for. And then there's actually like celebration on both sides when we realize what they meant and when they realize that we've realized what they meant. That's like a great moment. That's the end of effective listening. Effective listening gets you there. But we don't treat each other. We don't treat adults this way, right? Why? Well, an adult should know better. What do you mean should know better? An adult should be able to say everything so that you can immediately understand what they mean. What is that? You're putting that on them? That's their responsibility? Or, or what about you? You should always understand immediately what the person means. That is unfair to both parties. When your partner or your friend, or your coworker or your spouse says something that strikes you in a way that you would normally be defensive, do what we do for children. Assume that you don't understand what they mean. Instead of assuming that we completely understand what they mean in five seconds, and we're unhappy with it, and now I'm gonna defend myself and attack them for meaning that. Like that's a very, very, not only ineffective, but a stupid way to go about this. It's almost like we're asking for the problems. If we take a posture 
where we always assume that we are the ones who don't understand, right? If you say, I'm going to always assume I don't understand. And so my goal will always first be to understand. That's the best posture you could take. That's the beginning of the posture you need to become an effective listener. Because understanding is far more important than responding quickly and, you know, throwing your beliefs at the person. Not only because your beliefs may be irrelevant at this moment or your beliefs may be inappropriate, but your beliefs are also incomplete. They're premature. They're flawed because your beliefs don't include an understanding of what that person just said. You've been affected by an assumption you've made that may very well not be true. It's a dangerous way to communicate. And this is why, again, the Rogerian method is so powerful. It creates a situation in which both parties having a conversation are more interested in understanding the other person than they are in being understood. This is, this is like maturity stuff, right? If you and your, and your fiance, I'm not, not a fiance, if you and your, your husband, your wife, your partner, your friend, your, if you want a stronger relationship, if you want better communication, if you want less fighting, you need to both take on a posture in which you are more interested in understanding the other person than you are interested in being understood. And the ironic byproduct of this posture is that you will end up being more understood right? So it's, it's like a win-win all around. Now, as I said at the beginning of this, this podcast, this is really simple. This is not complex. It's just also really hard. To do this requires courage. It requires patience. It requires a willingness to accept that you don't know everything right away. And perhaps the hardest thing it requires is it requires accepting the idea that you might just be wrong. And more so, you might have been wrong for a while. You might have been wrong this whole time. But what's wrong with that? What's wrong with growth? What's wrong with becoming better and stronger and wiser? Well, that can only happen by taking accountability for the fact you didn't Know everything. You weren't as strong yesterday as you were today. You have to admit you could be stronger in order to get stronger. You have to admit you could be wiser to get wiser. So imagine a genuine conversation where everyone feels heard and everyone feels valued. Imagine if that was the conversation you were having on a day-to-day basis. You can have it. As Jordan Peterson says in his book, 12 Rules for Life, which is a lot of what I've talked about today is inspired by, I recently reread that book and I just love everything in it. And I, that's what got me on this, this um, um, line of thinking. But he talks in that book about how one of the cl- classical situations in an argument between men and women that has fueled countless comedy routines is that men are often accused of wanting to fix things way too early, right? A common complaint among a lot of women is that a man is not listening to her. Instead, he's just trying to rush to fix the problem. And the situation here, which the man often doesn't see, is that she may be trying to figure out how to articulate the problem. That's the mode she's in. So she doesn't want someone to fix the problem right now. She just wants to be listened to. And again, she doesn't want to be listened to to solve the problem, at least not right away. She wants help clarifying her understanding of what the problem really is. And then she wants 
to be validated, to have a feeling of support while she's clarifying it before she moves forward to deal with it, which may or may not include the need for a man's help. And as a sidebar, another byproduct of a man trying to fix a woman's problem too early is she might feel like he's just trying to escape being with her in the process. Like he's rushing to fix it because he doesn't want to deal with her, you know, trying to go through this. So it's like, I'm, I'm done with this. Let me just get to the end so I can escape. So that's, that's, that makes a person feel terrible. So right in an attempt to try to fix it really fast, you end up making her feel like you have no patience for her, no consideration for her. And you're unwilling to give her support, which is ironic because most men think the fixing is the support, but it's not. Um, and this, of course, like I'm using men and women because that's like the classic archetypal picture, um, especially in, in the modern day America. But this doesn't just apply to those traditional gender roles of men and women. Um, this could be in any relationship, man, man, woman, women. Like, I just think we can all agree that this happens where one person starts trying to fix or address what they see the problem to be too early because the other person is just trying to articulate what the problem really is and they're, they want to be listened to. And being listened to is, is a, a powerful thing because it's something that you feel and it's something that you know, right? You feel listened to, but you also know that you've been heard. And those two things together, it, just, it does a lot for the human brain, for the human heart, for the human soul. When we're talking about being an effective listener, we're really talking about having a desire for truth. And the ultimate desire needs to be for truth. Both parties need to value the truth more than anything else and at any cost. If that guides listening and speaking, the conversation will always be meaningful. The communication will always be interesting. It'll open up worlds because you're actually listening and understanding this other human being. And both people will be free to really know and to really understand each other, and perhaps for some relationships, for the very first time. So I recommend that you meditate a little bit on this, on what we've said here today, and think about it and, and implement it. Implement the Rogerian method of listening, or like that's just a nice, pretty name for it, but implement a method of listening where you're seeking truth, where you're seeking to understand, where that's what you're looking to do. Implement that in your relationships, in your own life. I think you will discover very quickly how much more meaningful your conversation and your relationships can be. T.S. Eliot has a wonderful quote that I think is very appropriate. We shall not cease from exploration and the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and to know the place for the first time. I think about that quote all the time. It's one of my favorite quotes, and I've always asked myself why, right? Why would we know the place for the first time only at the end of all our exploring? Like, Why would it take all that time and all that exploration to finally know a place that we started. Why? And I think perhaps it's because at the end of our exploration, as T.S. Eliot says, we will have finally learned to listen. I hope you found this helpful. If you did, please follow, subscribe to the Effective Living Podcast, available on all platforms or at effectivelivingpodcast.com. I really want these insights to help as many people as possible. So 
Share the podcast on your social. Send it personally to a friend who might enjoy it. And until next time, stay out of harm's way. I'm Nathaniel Nunziante, and this is the Effective Living Podcast. Podcast.